This program contains adult content. Is there a God? A big atheist. Really? What, am I an idiot? Come on. But yes, it would be nice if you could throw your sins and your responsibilities on someone else. But it's not true. It looks like far left lunacy. I don't believe that it's true that religion is moral or ethical. You don't need to follow anybody! It's not human intelligence! If someone doesn't value logical consistency, what logical argument are you going to give them that will demonstrate that they should? I see dead people. Welcome to the Godless Revolution. Today is Wednesday, October 24th. It's our Halloween episode. Because yeah. it's, it's, it comes out the week of Halloween. Mm-hmm. We actually thought ahead for this one. We, we did a little bit. <laughs> we'll be recording next week actually on, on Halloween, yeah. but we want to we give you guys something to listen to before then and on Halloween instead yeah. of whatever. I probably won't be here next week. Oh, really? You fuck cock. I know. There's a whole thing with Rhett's first Halloween and whatever. Oh, oh right, right. I got, I get that. He has a little centurion outfit. Oh, yeah? Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, you got to send me pictures then because that's, that's going to be adorable. We got Oz a costume too. <laughs> you going to tell him to strike people wuffly? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Flow him to the ground. <laughs> uh, yeah, but tonight we've got some fun, scary stories lined up for you. Before we get into the scary stories, what have you guys been up to for the last week? Uh, I guess the only thing I really did that was anything exciting was uh, we did a, a Cars for Kids uh, trunk or treat thing on Monday. It was mm-hmm. the first one they've done. Fucking a massive amount of people showed up. Oh, yeah? Like, we had a giant thing of candy, and we ran out. We are grabbing more candy. We had, uh, for like the Mascot Miracles bus thing, we had 400 pounds donated from Hershey's. That went out. 400 No, no, 100 pounds. pounds. It's 100 oh, pounds. Oh, Not 400, 100 pounds. <laughs> My mistake. Still 100 pounds, pounds. is a lot yeah. of fucking candy. Gone. Wow. wow. Like, it was incredible, the amount of people. So we did it. It was actually in Sandy, uh, inside of a parking garage. And, you know, the guys were bringing some of their, like, McLarens and uh, Lamborghinis and stuff in there. Then, mm. yeah, you know, all of our cars. Uh but yeah, so like the whole width of the aisle was filled with kids. Like the whole width of so from like where you normally like drive through, where you got your two lanes, like driving through a parking garage, mm-hmm. were filled from side to side with people just walking through uh-huh. the entire lane. Nice. So yeah, people go nuts for trunk or treat events here in Utah. Yeah, I. It's fun. I dressed up as. A detective, then I realized I looked like one of the Beastie Boys. <laughs> <laughs> with, the, with the wig on and stuff. So as the kids are walking by, you're like, so what you, what, what you, what you, what you want? want? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. you know, that, that, was, that was quite a bit of fun. Yeah. Nate did a little trunk or treat thing with the Corvette and had fun with it. Cool, cool. Yeah, like I said, people go, people go nuts for trunk or treat things here in Utah. Uh, Atheists of Utah has been doing a trunk or treat thing for the past three or four years now. And I think it was our second or third year we decided to move it to Murray Park. And apparently a mommy's group caught wind of our event and then sent it out to a bunch of people. Dude, there were 
over a thousand kids oh, yeah. who showed up. Damn. We went to Costco three different times and got like three or four of the big bags of stuff mm-hmm. and just kept running out. Yeah. You know, I, would, I couldn't believe how long, how long the line was and, and how many kids showed up. I, I, I made a joke about trunk or treating being the, like the speed dating of Halloween. Mm-hmm. Cause it's just that quick. It's like, okay, just walk by and you make your loop around this little area and you got your whole thing filled up. I'm like, then you get to do that multiple nights in this state. Oh, yeah. I'm like when I was a kid, it was one night and you had to work, you had for, to that work shit. for it. You had yeah. to walk up and down the streets. You had to put in work, Matt. Mm-hmm. You had to do work. <laughs> oh, do we're working, working today. <laughs> <laughs> That's been a while. That is an old callback. <laughs> That's why I was, I was, I was egging you on for it. Yeah. I was like, wait, I have a job. What do you mean? I got to work. I remember trick or treating like that. That sounds familiar. And you, sir, what have you been dumped to? What have I been dumped to? Been dumped uh, to. <laughs> I haven't really done that much of note this week. So, yeah. yeah. Well, you got a, you got a centurion. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That came in the mail. Woo-hoo. Oh, that's what I got dumped to today. That's, this week, last week. That's going to be a, do- oh no, you showed me a painting that you did. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's yeah. fucking awesome, man. I did that. That's well, true. Tell us more I about sh- it. Oh, uh, it was for a coworker who's having a baby. And so I took the colors from the baby shower and she's into fantasy. So I made a dragon in those colors. It's really yeah. fucking cool. Mm-hmm. I, you should send me a copy of it and I'll or, uh, send me, send me a picture of it and I'll post it down on our, our Facebooky thing. Okay. I'll think the peoples would like it. It's cause it's really fucking cool. I almost feel like I need a piece of matte art from my bar. I already got one down there. I saw you've got, you got one what a piece of your artwork. Which what? Uh, the uh, Hitchens. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. What do you want? I, I I'd, I'd let you pick. It's a you know I'm kind of going for an old type, but I got movie celebrities on the wall. Well, I got like it. I got uh. Yeah, I was gonna say I saw that you've got the the current the Pennywise, yeah. the current Pennywise the up on there. Pennywise, yeah, that was that that guy's actually the guy that did that one. He does all pencil sketches. And he's a artist out of Ogden. That's also a uh, wildland firefighter. Hmm. Then, uh, yeah, he's got got like an old vintage, like flat track racing motorcycle painting on the wall, and I can't think a uh, bullet. The movie Bullet. I'm trying to think of his fucking. I just forgot his name. The actor. The from actor. Bullet? Oh, uh, uh, Steve McQueen. Yes, I got one of Steve McQueen on the wall from Bullet. Hmm. Uh, a couple little things I've made on the wall. Couple of little things you've made on the wall, like paintings. Oh, yeah. What are they? Uh, just like abstract shit. Like when I would get really drunk and just start taking my hands and putting paint. Oh, like, paint Fuck something. you. <laughs> <laughs> this looks like shit. <laughs> put, put it put, on the wall. Let me put more right there. Put it on a wall. I'm about paint a yeah. paint it on a wall. It fills space. Nice. Yeah the the bar's looking nice down there. Yeah, coming together. This winter, I'll take apart the cabinets and do those. Mm-hmm. I saw your video about making a bijou. Yeah. I just had my camera sitting there. I'm like, oh, let's do this again. It was just kind of fun last time I did it. And I thought, well, I should make a bijou tonight. And then I fucking forgot until oh. just now. And instead I'm drinking a Cuba Libre. We'll have to have one when before you leave. Okay. Before we leave. Tonight? Yeah. Okay. Or we can take a break in the middle and we I'll, we can go make one and yeah. we can have one. Okay. Like, Dan, I get fucked up tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, let's see. I, 
over the weekend attended a couple different birthday parties, one for the current president of Atheists of Utah, Ms. Tiffany Hudson, who we should probably get in here for an interview sometime. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. That'd be she's, good. she's very cool, very nice. She is. One of the sweetest people on the face of the planet. Um, yeah, had her birthday party at El Chihuahua. Mm-hmm. Of course, I love Mexican food. Yeah, you do. And then they also have those big fucking Death Star drinks. Oh. They limit you to two of them. You can't have more than that. <laughs> if it's your birthday, though, and there's a large crowd of people, they usually... The, the, the restaurant has no knowledge of this, but your friends at the table... They'll, you know, they'll usually only order one because two and you're fucking yeah. crawling home on your lips, but <laughs> they'll order another one and generally like give it to you or share. You know, you can taste theirs to see if you like it because ah. they have various different flavors. Um, and then we went to a bar named Sue, which is right yeah. next door. That was fun. Had a good time, but I am apparently an old fart <laughs> because I left, I left the birthday party before 10 o'clock. And I had ordered soup to go. <laughs> I ordered, I ordered, a, I, 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 I requested an order of pozole to go. So I had, I had soup waiting in the car and left the party before 10 o'clock. I'm an old fart. Uh, then Sunday had a birthday party for my incredibly wonderful, talented, funny, handsome, intelligent, brilliant, Awesome son, who's now 25 years old. Had some homemade mm. chili over there. That was really good. And, oh, and before we went over there, uh, we found out that Tracy's grandfather had died. The age of 95. He was a World War II vet, Mr. Don Snar. And so now we've got family flying in again. Tomorrow, uh, I think her, one of her brothers arrives tomorrow. The other arrives Friday morning. Okay. And so we've got the viewing uh, on Friday and then the actual burial on Saturday. And then because her brothers will be in town, I'm sure I will be a drunken mess the entire weekend. <laughs> but, um, and I, I haven't posted anything about it anywhere uh, because she, Tracy's pretty a pretty private person. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh she like she's hard, she looks at social media a lot but I don't even know that she likes very many like she's a stalker <laughs> on social media basically. She's she's an observer. So if she likes any of my posts it's a very special thing. Yes. I yes. don't think she's ever liked any of my posts. No. You're just not a special thing. <laughs> <laughs> um so I haven't posted anything you guys aside from you you guys tonight yeah. I haven't even told anybody else about this yet. Uh, apart from a uh, great friend of the show that you guys know as well mm -hmm. uh, and friend who I just uh, was chatting with that person the other night. Uh, but it's been, it's been a little rough. I think she's, I think she thought she was more prepared for it than she actually was. And you so, never are prepared. Yeah, well, and everybody's, like, like I say it all the time, everybody's weird about death. We're all just yeah. weird about it in our own way. You know, they're, I think, you know, her, her brothers have flown into town a couple different times when it seemed as if he was right at death's doorstop and was going to be, you know, was going to be dead within the next day or two. And he's been in hospice for like six months or so, I think. Okay. But yeah, finally, finally gave up the ghost on Sunday. and. So going to going to Gray's birthday party was a bit of a a bit of a 
downer to do. Well, it wasn't, it wasn't a downer. It was nice to go to the birthday party, yeah. but she was really, she didn't like, she just, uh, Tracy's way of coping with, with death is that she just wants to avoid it. She, she yeah. doesn't, she's not the kind of person who tries to get emotional sympathy from anybody. She doesn't want, um, she doesn't, she never, ever, ever wants to be the center of, of attention. Like she fucking hates that. No way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She does, she does a ton of stuff in the background that nobody would ever even know goes on. Like she, especially, you know, when we were uh, both on the board for Atheists of Utah, mm-hmm. like she's the one who kept the group running. Yeah. You know, there, there were others, there were others on the board who were more the faces of the organization, but she's the, the brains and heart of it. And, yeah, like we got to see that being friends with you. Yeah. But, yeah. but she, yeah, she's, she's a little shy. She's a little antisocial, a little misanthropy, a little <laughs> bit of a mis- misanthrope. Um, doesn't like crowds, but she's definitely an introvert. And, and like I say, never, never really wants attention and certainly doesn't like any kind of emotional sympathy from others. She, she feels like a lot of people, um, use, use their life story as a way to garner sympathy from people as a, as a disingenuous tactic for being a shitty person. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people are like, Oh yeah, well maybe I'm an asshole, but it's cause I've had a really hard life. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and she's like, well, yeah, I've had a really hard fucking life too. Yeah, We but, all have. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this. That's yeah. just part of being a human. Yeah. My we're mom, all abused. We're all, we're all beat up. We're, you know, we're all fucking broken. Yeah. My mom didn't give me cookies when I was two. Yeah. And we, we've known way too many people, uh, that have, have emotionally manipulated a lot of our other friends mm-hmm. that she, and she just has never been a fan of it and is just getting less and less to be, uh, much of a fan of it. Yeah. Over the, as the years go by. Um, but yeah, it's been, it's been a little rough, but it'll be fine. Um, but yeah, he was, he was a good dude. World War II bomber pilot. Oh shit. Wow. He was featured in the Deseret News like three or four years ago. Okay. Uh, yeah. Big time war hero fighting Nazis. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that, that was, that's a lot of fun. So with, with that out of the way, we have some newsy things too. We'll cover those in just a minute. There's been a lot of fucking news today. Yeah. And I want to say that you now have less than two weeks as of the date of this recording. So by the time you hear it, you've got just over a week. Yeah. To go out and fucking vote. Please do it. If you, if you have not registered, there are, you know, most states allow for same day registration. Mm -hmm. You can just show up at a polling place with your ID, register and cast your vote. You need to go out and vote. We'll be talking more about that in just a few minutes. Red rum. Red rum. Red rum. Red rum. Before we get into some of the more recent uh, news items from today, I wanted to do a little bit of a follow-up mm-hmm. on a story that we talked about last week with the Petoskey pharmacist who refused to... Phil Rachel Peterson's order for misoprostol, yeah. which is the drug that would allow her to complete the miscarriage that she was going through. Not an abortion. Not an abortion. No, the, the baby or the fetus was non-viable. The, she had gone to a doctor. The doctor had said, I'm sorry to inform you. 
but you're you you are no longer with child. Yeah. You you you're having a miscarriage. I don't hear a heartbeat. Um here's a prescription for some medication that will help you complete the miscarriage and pass the things that you have inside you. It's not going to be pleasant. Sorry, this is happening. You've got my sympathy. She goes to the pharmacist. The pharmacist says that he's a good Catholic man and he's not going to prescribe this drug because he thinks that she's lying and is trying to induce an yeah. abortion. And not only will he not prescribe it, he won't transfer it to another uh, pharmacist. Well, he wouldn't. he wouldn't allow another pharmacist or tech to assist her yeah. wouldn't transfer it to another pharmacy. Like everything that was against the law and company policy is what he did as yeah. a good Catholic man. I mm-hmm. uh, wanted to let our listeners know that this all happened to the Peterson family in July and that that pharmacist, as far as Meyer has, has told any news agency has not been an employee with Meyer since July. So it sounds like he was fired or, or was allowed to resign. They haven't said either way, citing privacy for this individual, but he has not been employed with Meyer since July. I did some digging around online and I don't see that he's employed anywhere and he is no longer a member of the pharmacist association thing that he was so proud of. And he has removed his information from LinkedIn mm. where he used to tout his credentials as a pharmacist working <laughs> in the industry for more than 20 years. So hmm. that was, that was interesting. I did, I did some online stalking of this guy and yeah, he's, he's kind of dropped off the face of the earth. Yeah. He's probably getting a little bit of hate mail from this too. I would imagine. Oh, I imagine. Yeah. But it's a good thing that he's no longer a pharmacist because yeah. then other people won't have to go through this. Yeah. It's just too bad that he was a pharmacist for so long. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a good question. How many times before has he done this? Yeah, he seemed like he had a system in place and was very confident. Mm-hmm. It, it may just be that he has been thinking about this for years and now that he's in a position of ready to retire, he's like, "Fuck it, I'm going to do it." Or that could be, or it could be that it, he had done this to a bunch yeah. of other people who just never reported it to yeah. anybody. That that kind of thing happens quite a bit. Mm-hmm. But getting to more recent news events, there were several pipe bombs Mailed out to prominent members of prominent lefties, shall we say. And was it five so far? Possibly six? I've seen reports of between five and seven. I've got the latest information here from the New York Times in front of us. This is the most recent article that I could find about all of the information. Um, and like I said, this comes to us from the New York Times. It says the, ti- the article is titled Pipe Bombs Sent to Hillary Clinton, Barack Obama, and CNN Offices. Pipe bombs were sent to several prominent Democrats, including former President Barack Obama and former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton, setting off an intense investigation on Wednesday into whether figures vilified by the right were being targeted. From Washington, New York to Florida, where a congresswoman who is the former chairwoman of the Democratic National Committee has her office, the authorities intercepted a wave of crudely built devices that were contained in manila envelopes. In the center of Manhattan, I guess Trump is going to go want to invade Manila now. In the center of Manhattan, the Time Warner Center, an elegant office and shopping complex, was evacuated because of a pipe bomb sent to CNN, which has its New York offices there. It was addressed to John O. Brennan, a critic of President Trump who served as Mr. Obama's CIA director. Uh, This isn't in the story, but those of you who 
pay close attention to politics may recognize Brennan's name as one of the people that President Trump stripped their security clearance yep. from because they were outspoken critics of the Orange Menace. Yeah, on TV. Yeah. And so in retribution, he decided that he was going to revoke their security clearances. Yeah. In the center of Manhattan, I already read that part. Yep. None of the devices harmed anyone, and it was not immediate. And it was not immediately clear whether any of them could have. One law enforcement official said investigators were examining the possibility that they were hoax devices that were constructed to look like bombs but would not have exploded. Still, doesn't make it any more legal. No, or, no, or safe. They, they yeah. because they said that there were explosives materials in there. Yeah, I think. Well, I mean, the pipe, the wiring. That could be considered explosive. Gunpowder. Yeah, I, I didn't hear. That's why I was wondering if they had actually had gunpowder inside of them. I um, heard a report earlier. We'll have to see okay. if that's included in the story. Uh, the FBI said the devices were similar to one found Monday at the home of George Soros, the billionaire philanthropist and liberal donor in a New York City suburb. Coming less than two weeks before the midterm elections, the discovery of the, the, discovery of the pipe bombs reverberated across the country already on edge. Stirring anew questions about whether political discourse has grown too vitriolic. Mrs. Clinton, Mr. Obama, Mr. Soros, and CNN have all figured prominently in right-wing political attacks, many of which have been led by Mr. Trump. He has often referred to major news organizations as, quote, the enemy of the people, end quote, and has shown contempt for CNN. Fake news. Yeah. Fake news. I don't answer questions from CNN, you fake news. Mr. Trump, speaking at the White House on Wednesday, called the attempted bombings, quote, despicable acts. In these times, we have to unify, Mr. Trump said. We have to come together and send one clear, strong, unmistakable message that acts of threats of political violence of any kind have no place in the United States of America. Unless you're body slamming a reporter. When I heard him say that, my first response was, then get the fuck out of the United States of America, you fucking dickhead. Yeah. Uh. If, if threats of political violence have no place in the, in the United States of America, then shut your fucking mouth and leave yeah. because you are the source of so fucking much yeah. of that. He continued in the same vein later Wednesday at a rally in Wisconsin, encouraging, quote, all sides to come together in peace and harmony before taking aim at the news media. Yeah. The media also has a responsibility to set a civil tone and stop the endless hostility and the constant negative and oftentimes false attacks, Mr. On, Trump said. On him. I would like to know what he thinks the false attacks are. Tell us Anything tell us, negative. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell us what is actually false versus something that you just don't fucking like because you're a giant baby. I wonder if Trump thinks he's a god. I don't think he thinks he's a god. I think he's he's closer to well. I guess it depends on your view of the Trinity and well. I mean, like 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 how a lot he's of compared himself to Jesus. Yeah, well, when I'm, he I, was campaigning in 2016, I'm just going with how a lot of dictators figured themselves to be godlike, kind of oh, like yeah. like yeah. Kim Jong Un, like that whole lineage. They're godlike yeah. figures, and they're doesn't poop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mrs. Clinton, in an address to a crowd of about 200 Democratic donors in Florida, said, It is a troubling time, isn't it? And it's a time of deep divisions, and we have to do everything we can to bring our country together. In Manhattan, Mayor Bill de Blasio called the attempted bombings, quote, an effort to terrorize, and vowed the city's residents, quote, won't allow terrorism to change us. End quote. But Jeff Zucker, 
The CNN Worldwide president accused Mr. Trump of demonizing journalists, quote, the president and especially the White House press secretary should understand their words matter, Mr. Zucker said. All the devices were packed in envelopes lined with bubble wrap and bearing return addresses with the name of Debbie Wasserman Schultz, the Florida congresswoman who was once chairwoman of the Democratic National Committee, the FBI said. The mailing labels were computer printed and six first class stamps were a were affixed to all of the envelopes. I keep adding like a PT at the end of some of these words. Stamped. Uh, and, and you make fun of the way I say stuff. <laughs> well, I but I notice and I'm trying to correct it. <laughs> a fifth device was, uh, sent to Mr. Obama's Attorney General Eric Holder was apparently incorrectly addressed. And because Ms. Wasserman Schultz's name was on the return address, it was ultimately delivered to her district office in Florida, the FBI said. Another package addressed to Representative Maxine Waters, a California Democrat, was intercepted at a congressional mail facility. Ms. Waters said in a statement in recent month, <laughs> sorry, let me start that again. Another package addressed to Representative Maxine Waters, a California Democrat, was intercepted at a congressional mail facility, Ms. Waters said in a statement. In recent months, Mr. Trump and Ms. Waters have often ridiculed each other. Um, Maxine Waters is the is the representative that Donald Trump keeps saying has very low IQ, yeah. very dumb. Later, another package was discovered at a mail facility near downtown Los Angeles that appeared to be addressed to Ms. Waters, according to a law enforcement official. The discovery forced the evacuation of the facility. The device that went to CNN's offices arrived by courier, a law enforcement official said. However, it still had half a dozen <laughs> first-class stamps on it. Uh. Investigators believe the bomb delivered to Mr. Soros's home was dropped off in his mailbox. The device sent to Mrs. Clinton was found late Tuesday by a Secret Service employee who screens mail for her, a statement from the Secret Service said. A security guard at the Clinton Foundation's Midtown Manhattan offices said the package was addressed to Mrs. Clinton's home in Westchester County, north of New, north of New York City, not her offices. The package addressed to Mr. Obama was intercepted early Wednesday by Secret Service personnel in Washington. A law enforcement official said the devices were made with a one-inch by six-inch length of PVC pipe filled with suspected pyrotechnic powder and broken glass to serve as shrapnel. They had a small button battery with a digital clock as a timer and a hot bridge wire initiator, the official said. The devices contained some of the components that would be required to build an operable bomb but law enforcement officials would not say late on Wednesday whether they were viable. The devices were being sent to the FBI lab in Quantico, Virginia, where they would be analyzed. A senior law enforcement official in New York describing the bomb sent to CNN said it was intercepted in the basement mailroom and resembled to the others. Quote, same package, same device, end quote. On Wednesday afternoon, the New York City Police Commissioner James P. O'Neill said that the CNN bomb was, quote, a live explosive device, end quote and that it would be rendered harmless and sent to the FBI to be analyzed. The package that contained the device also included white powder that the police were testing to determine if it was toxic, he said. Dude left his cocaine in there. Does this smell like anthrax to you? <laughs> the thing is, anthrax isn't white. Oh, yeah? Yeah. What's it? What uh, color is anthrax? It's, it's a brown color. Brownish? Yeah. Does this smell like anthrax or heroin? <laughs> <laughs> some, some bomb technicians who studied photos of the device that circulated on social media suggested that the bomb sent to CNN had hallmarks of fake explosives. 
the kind more typically depicted on television and in movies rather than devices capable of detonating. A digital, a digital clock was taped to the middle of the pipe, a feature that experts say is typically shown on fictional bombs in an attempt to ratchet up dramatic tension, but unnecessary in real life. In fact, bomb makers generally avoid attaching visible clocks to their devices to keep from tipping off their targets about when the bombs are set to mm-hmm. explode, which makes sense. Yeah. Like, if I'm mailing you a bomb, I'm not going to include something on it that tells you exactly when it's going to detonate, right? November 1st, 2 p.m. <laughs> You're like, oh, I guess I can finish my coffee before I call and alert the police. Like, now. okay, alarm off. <laughs> Earlier this month, federal authorities said they intercepted multiple packages suspected of containing the lethal substance ricin addressed to Mr. Trump and at least two top Pentagon officials. In February, an envelope containing a white powdery substance that investigators later determined was cornstarch (laughs) was sent to the Manhattan apartment of Donald Trump Jr.'s mother-in-law. On Wednesday, the authorities said pipe said bomb technicians would seek to determine where the bomb's components were purchased or the bombs were made. Evidence technicians will attempt to recover traces of DNA or fingerprints from the components and the envelopes that contain the bombs. Federal agents with the United States Postal Inspection Service could play an important role in the investigation if any of the packages were delivered through the mail. The envelopes had more postage than needed to be delivered, according to a former law enforcement official briefed on the investigation. The extra postage led investigators to believe that the person who sent the devices wanted to avoid going to a post office to buy the correct postage, a step to evade detection, the official said. The Postal Inspection Service would examine the postage and postmarks and seek to determine where the envelopes were mailed from. Investigators could examine surveillance video at post offices and around blue letter boxes where the packages may have been deposited. Yes, thing people don't realize. Everything is under surveillance. <laughs> Everywhere. Yeah. You, if you're walking down the road, chances are you're on a I video can't. feed yeah. somewhere. Um, so there are a few things about this story that, that stick out. Of course, we don't know that the, that the bombs were operable. Yeah. Uh, we know that the person who sent them isn't the brightest of people because they sent them to like their public offices one where their mail is, is inspected before it's ever delivered to these people. And the guy might not have been intelligent enough to build a working bomb. And he built what he thought would be a working bomb, but it ended up looking cartoony. Yeah. It's Acme bomb is basically what he said. Or, (laughs) or he made a cartoony looking bomb because it had that sticker on it that said, get her done in Mm -hmm. fake Arabic. Yeah. And so there, there was that, the postage thing, mm-hmm. which is easy to find out how much postage something requires to send. And, but that's a common thing that people do when they're sending explosives. Like that's one of the things, like when they teach our, you know, look for things classes for government employees, you probably had to do that training and shit. Be aware of your surroundings. Yeah, if you notice a package that with has excessive postage on it, yeah. something might be wrong. If they misspelled your name, it might be wrong. Yeah. So. Yeah. The the postage thing, though, it's like, dude, go on the internet, find out how much it costs per well, ounce. They make that, 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 that program you can get that all the other podcasts advertise about. Oh, yeah. Um, I can't I remember, know, what, I it's can't remember what it's called. I can't remember what it's called. 
I hear it on a ton of other shows, and it's like, (laughs) that's how much I pay attention to the advertising in your shows. (laughs) Um, But yeah, this, this, this is serious. Yeah, it's very serious. And it's, I think, a direct result of the kinds of rhetoric we've been hearing from people on the right for decades now. Trump was just, absolutely it is. Yeah, Trump has just amped that up and ramped that up and made it much more permissive for political actors like this to do horrific things like this. Well, what's to say that this person that did these failed bombs now isn't going to grab a gun and go try to do something else? Yeah, well, that didn't work. I guess I have to go and murder a bunch of people with a gun now. Well, I'm just going more for like, hey, he knows where these people, they live. Like, maybe he'll go and try to shoot up Hillary Clinton's office or shoot up George Soros's house. or It could be. I mean... You know, when you've got people like Alex Jones Mm -hmm. and Rush Limbaugh and the president himself buying into conspiracy theories, calling the media the enemy enemy of the United States, what the fuck do they think is going to happen when they start, when they, when they, when they say these kinds of horrible things about other people? That the people who listen to them, like they know that their audience is fucking stupid, right? Donald Trump says that he loves stupid people. He loves low information voters. He loves dumb voters because they're the people who vote for him. He fucking said that. That's why he ran Republican. He knows that these people are dumb, easily swayed, gullible idiots. And he uses violent rhetoric whenever he speaks anywhere. What the fuck did Mm -hmm. he think was going to happen? Does he just not care? Yeah, he doesn't care. He's just that callous. Well, yeah. Yeah, he's going to find some way to twist it where it wasn't his side. As long as he has people praising him, doing what he says, yeah. you know, following orders, you know, rallying behind him, he doesn't care what they do as long and as he gets that. Like you read earlier where he's saying, we need to be civil and all that kind of stuff. Yet you praise the people that keep chanting, lock her up at your rallies and. Mm-hmm chanting all that rhetoric if you really want to be peaceful and be a, a uniter come out there and tell your people hey knock stop that shit doing off that. yeah that's dumb that's not stop working it. right that is not helping our cause that is not helping unite anything stop doing that but yeah. he won't do that no instead he keeps he keeps spouting more violent rhetoric rhetoric mm-hmm. and now we have a mega bomber yeah <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's fucking disgusting and i want you all listening if you are not voting why why are you not voting it's so easy it takes so little time and it's so important yeah and it is so so important i want you all to vote if you're not voting i just don't understand why tell me why tell me why you would not vote why you wouldn't take the at most you know if you're if you're doing it by mail or whatever it's at most maybe an hour of your time. And that's if you really want to research everything. Yeah. Like all of the local judges and city council members and everybody else that's running as well. These are really, really important things. You need to be in, you need to be an informed voter and you need to actually vote. You need to have your voice heard so that we don't have monsters running our fucking country and cities and states and counties and school districts and le- and weed restrictors. And putting people into judge judge yeah. appointments all of all over the place. It just I I don't I don't understand why more people in the United States don't vote. We we typically have less much less than a fifty percent voter turnout. Oh I, and that's 
disgusting. Well, for midterm, I was going to say 25%. It's, it's fucking disgusting. I, we, it's, and, and it's from people that hear all the time. Oh yeah. America's great. America is one of the freest places in the world. So free that I don't even have to worry about who's governing it. Yeah. Because it will just, you know, status quo hasn't really hurt me and it's fine. So my vote doesn't really matter. Or I, you know, I'm a, I'm a blue dog Democrat or I'm a, you know, I'm a Democrat living in a red state. So my vote doesn't really matter. How many Democrats do you think also live in your state yeah. that if they were to go out and vote, it would fucking matter? Well, I had a friend that said, he goes, I don't like Trump, but he's made me a lot of money in the stock market. He said that last week. Uh, we've lost what? Almost 2,000 points here. We lost 600. It went down 600 points this week. It went down like 400 last week. It went down another four or $500 a day before that. So yeah, roughly it's, it's gone down like 1,500 points really? in a week's time. Hmm. The economy is the best in the world. We've done much more than any administration, I think, really, you know, in the history of, of America. Yeah. Fucking clown. Uh, but yeah, I want you all to go out and vote. As I said earlier, you, as, as of the date of this recording, you have 13 days. By the time you're hearing this, it will be less than that. You'll have yeah. just over a week. So please, please, please go out, register, vote and do it. Every time you have the opportunity to do so, find out who is running for the local school district. Mm -hmm. If there's nobody you like, fucking run yourself. It's easy. There are all kinds of resources for you. Uh, I just don't understand why people don't vote. It's, it's, it drives me nuts. Here's the thing too. You know who votes? Old Republicans. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Old Republicans vote every single time. So, when groups of young, informed Democrats stay home, the concentration of old Republican voters goes up and up and up. Mm -hmm. And you might have some you might have some polling stations that are 80 or 90 percent old Republican voters in in there because nobody's showing up. There's tons and tons of millennials out there that can overcome those those numbers if they if you would just show up. Mm hmm. And protests are great. Protests are awesome. If you feel like protesting, you should go out and do that. What's even more important is that you use your right to go and vote so that you don't have to protest what's going on in the government that you didn't exercise your right to become part of. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's the biggest protest, isn't it? To go vote and say, get the fuck out of my government. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then instead of protesting, we just go to the park and have a party. <laughs> yeah, then you wouldn't have to protest. <laughs> wouldn't that be great? If you could just have a party, if you could celebrate what your government is doing instead of protesting it, wouldn't that be awesome? Fucking go vote, people. Before we get too far into the show, I want to make sure that we not thank our Patreon supporters. We'll be doing that later and yeah. toward the end of the show. No, I want to make sure that everybody who's listening to this is comfortable with very scary stories, uh, uncomfortable situations. We may talk about abduction, rape, murder. Dark, dark, dark stuff. Dark we, human experience. We may, we may have some dark stories yep. this evening. So I want to make sure that we let you guys know that if any of those things are triggers for you, you may want to skip this episode and just have a happy and safe Halloween. Mm -hmm. Thanks for listening. And we'll be back with other regular stories or next week. Just but. skip the rest of the episode because the first half is just news. Oh yeah. Yeah. The first, first part of it is yeah. news. 
Yeah, I'll drop this in before we start talking about yeah. the scary stuff. Yeah. Good See, idea, Ryan. We record in order. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good idea, Ryan. Yeah. All right. So, yeah, but I just wanted to let you know a uh, story or two this evening may be very, very dark, and you may want to avoid it if that would be triggering for you. But with that, we'll get on to some scary stories and whatnot. Yeah. They're all going to laugh at you. They're all going to laugh at you. They're all going to laugh. In a quiet community in New Jersey, past the quaint mom and pop shops that line downtown, a million dollar dream home buried behind decades old trees sits empty. The new owners who bought it last summer are scared to move in and no one else seems to want to buy it from them. The homeowners, Derek and Maria Brodus, filed a civil complaint suing the previous owners for, quote, knowingly and willfully failing to disclose the home's history about a stalker. Westfield Police and Union County Prosecutor's Office have been investigating a chilling series of letters. The Brodus's finalized their decision to call the community their own when they bought their $1.3 million dream home, a six-bedroom house where they wanted to raise their children according to the complaint. The real estate website Zillow describes the house as nearly 4,000 square foot grand turn-of-the-century home. Period features include high ceilings, coffered ceilings, elegant foyers, built-in window seats, fireplaces, and more. The stunning master suite boasts a custom dressing room, closet, and a renovated bath. Two porches, a covered open front porch, and an enclosed side porch uh, for sunning with stone fireplace add uh, to the inviting appeal. An open staircase leads to the third floor with a sitting area, two bedrooms, and renovated bath with skylight. A finished playroom is located in the basement. Three days after the Brodus's bought it, they got a letter. My grandfather watched the house in the 1920s, and my father watched it in the 1960s. It's now my time. I've been put in charge of watching and waiting for its second coming. Do you need to fill the house with the young blood I requested? Once I know their names, I will call them and draw them out to me. In two more letters dated June 18th and July 18th, he wrote, Have they found out what's in the walls yet? In time they will. I'm pleased to know your names now. And the name of the young blood you've brought to me. Will the young bloods play in the basement? Who has the bedrooms facing the street? I'll know as soon as you move in. It'll help me to know who's in which bedroom, then I can plan better. In one letter, he reportedly said that the home's windows and doors allow me to touch you and track you as you move through the house. Who am I, you ask? I'm the watcher. Then came ominous notes that seemed to show someone was stalking them. You've changed it and made it so fancy. It cries for the past and what used to be in time when I roamed its halls. When I ran from room to room imagining life with the rich occupants there. And now I watch and wait for the day when the young blood will be mine again. I am in charge of the home. Let the young blood play again like I once did. Stop changing it and let it alone. In the complaint, the Brodus's attorney wrote that the couple have been consumed daily by stress, anxiety, and fear regarding the, what the watcher will do. 
The couple said they would have never bought the house had they known about the watcher and have been too concerned for their family's safety to move in. At one point, the couple relisted the house for sale, but the house has since been taken off the market. I'd buy it. <laughs> Would you? I'd buy that for a dollar. <laughs> Why not? That's it. interesting you say that because the, the, in the home's history, it's been sold three separate times for one dollar. Oh. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Uh, Did you find it on Zillow? Uh, no. It uh, well, a- according to other reports I was reading. Okay. About it, hmm. I should say. Hmm. Some interesting history. A little creepy. I'm gonna I'm gonna gradually <laughs> step up. Uh, the level of dark. The level of creepiness. Tone, yeah. And the yeah. But my these are all true stories. Ooh. That I have, including that one. Just some weird guy who likes the old house and yeah. I worked there. You're changing things too quickly. <laughs> Will the children play in the basement? That's fucking creepy. <laughs> he did. He asked that. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, "Have they? Have you found what's in the walls yet? Like, what they the fuck will. does that mean? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Made from the bones. Uh, so I finished watching the haunting of Hill House. Yeah, the ending of that was really fucking it was, awesome. It was really like I was, got all choked up. It was good. It was really really good. Uh, Tracy hates scary shit, and she really, really liked the show. She watched the first episode, kind of, you know, with her fingers over her eyes a little Expecting bit. Expecting like, something. I look now? Yeah. And there were, you know, there were some creepy, scary, jumpy out parts, and other parts that were just like bone chillingly creepy. But the ending was really beautiful and touching. Yeah. The only true jump scare in the whole movie, I think, was in the car. The car, that one, I, I actually screamed, I screamed, Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> I scared all the dogs and Tracy. She's like, well, that part scared me. I think you scared me and the dogs more than anything when you uh, screamed. Cause I did. I, I yelled there. There were also right before that when she's at, she's at the, I don't want to give anything away, but she's at a vending machine. Oh and she yeah. She turns around and yeah. Uh, yeah. No, 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 no. Yeah, that, that, was, that was, yeah, that was pretty fucking creepy. But then when they tie all that stuff together, it's like, holy shit. Yeah. It was beautiful. It was beautifully done. The whole show. Yeah. I loved the way it was filmed. The acting was really good. And the way they tied the whole story back together. It's like, yeah. oh, wow. Like everything that, everything that happened throughout it, there's no mystery left. Like you're in suspense the whole time. Mm-hmm. But they answer everything like the last two episodes. Yeah. Yeah, it was really fucking great. I liked it a whole lot. I would recommend it for anybody who likes creepy stuff, scary stuff, or and and if you especially like creepy stuff and scary stuff that also uh is tied together with a beautiful story at the end. It was it was it was it was delightful. Yeah. It was quite lovely, it was. (laughs) I liked it quite a bit. In 1983, a team of deeply pious scientists conducted a radical experiment in an undisclosed facility. The scientists had theorized that a human without access to any senses or way to perceive stimuli would be able to perceive the presence of God. They believed that the five senses clouded our awareness of eternity, and without them, a human could actually establish contact with God by thought. 
an elderly man who claimed to have nothing left to live for, was the only test subject to volunteer. To purge him of all of his senses, the scientists performed a, comp a complex operation in which every sensory nerve connecting to the brain was surgically severed. Although the, tech sub the test subject retained full muscular function, he could not see, hear, taste, smell, or feel. With no possible way to communicate with or even sense the outside world, he was alone with his thoughts. The scientists monitored him as he spoke aloud about his state of mind in jumbled, slurred sentences that he couldn't even hear. After four days, the man claimed to be hearing hushed, unintelligible voices in his head. Assuming it was an onset of psychosis, the scientists paid little attention to the man's concerns. Two days later, the man cried that he could hear the, his dead wife speaking with him, and even more, he could communicate back. The scientists were intrigued, but were never convinced until the subject started naming dead relatives of the scientists. He repeated personal information to the scientists that only their dead spouses and parents would have known. At this point, a sizable portion of the scientists left the study. After a week of, of conversing with the deceased through his thoughts, the subject became uh, distressed, saying the voices were overwhelming. In every waking moment, his consciousness was bombarded by hundreds of voices that refused to leave him alone. He frequently threw himself against the wall, trying to elicit a pain response. He begged the uh, scientists for sedatives so he could escape the voices by sleeping. This tactic worked for three days, until he started having severe night terrors. The subject repeatedly said that he could see and hear the deceased in his dreams. Only a day later, the subject began to scream and claw at his non-functional eyes, hoping to sense something in the physical world. The hysterical subject now said the voices of the dead were deafening and hostile, speaking of hell and the end of the world. At one point he yelled, No heaven, no forgiveness, for five hours straight. He continually begged to be killed, but the scientists were convinced that he was close to establishing contact with God. After another day, the subject could no longer form, form coherent sentences. Seemingly mad, he started to bite off chunks of his flesh from his arms. The scientists rushed into the test chamber and restrained him to a table so he could not kill himself. After a few hours, he began to, tired, to get tired. The subject halted his struggling and screaming. He stared blankly at the ceiling as uh, teardrops silently streaked across his face. For two weeks, the subject had been manually rehydrated due to the constant crying. Eventually, he turned his head, and despite his blindness, made focused eye contact with the scientist for the first time in the study. And he whispered, I have spoken with God, and he has abandoned us. Then his vital signs stopped, and there was no apparent cause of death. They will say that I have shed innocent blood. What's blood for, if not for shedding? I woke up to hear knocking on glass. At first I thought it was the window, 
until I heard it come from the mirror again. She just goes a little mad sometimes. We all go a little mad sometimes. The last thing I saw was my alarm clock flashing 12.07 before she pushed her long rotting nails through my chest, her other hand muffling my screams. I sat bolt upright, relieved it was only a dream, but as I saw my alarm clock read 12.06, I heard the closet door creak open. I like to dissect girls. Did you know I'm utterly insane? Growing up with cats and dogs, I got used to the sound of scratching at my door while I slept. Now that I live alone, it's much more unsettling. You want to know what happens to an eyeball when it gets punctured? You got any idea how much blood jets out of a guy's neck when his throat's been slit? In all of the time that I've lived alone in this house, I swear to God I've closed more doors than I've opened. Be afraid. Be very afraid. A girl heard her mom yell her name from downstairs, so she got up and started to head down. As she got to the stairs, her mom pulled her into her room and said, I heard that too. You just can't let them go. Go. Stay on the road. Keep clear to the moors. Beware the moonlights. She asked why I was breathing so heavily. I wasn't. They mostly come at night. Mostly. My wife woke me up last night to tell me that there was an intruder in our house. She was murdered by an intruder two years ago. I'm scared to close my eyes. I'm scared to open them. I awoke to the sound of the baby monitor crackling with a voice comforting my firstborn child. As I adjusted to a new position, my arm brushed against my wife sleeping next to me. Now clear your minds. It knows what scares you. It has from the very beginning. Don't give it any help. It knows too much already. I always thought my cat had a staring problem. She always seemed fixated on my face. Until one day, when I realized that she was always looking just behind me. Listen, asshole! No, you listen, you little bitch! You hang up on me again, I'll cut you like a fish! There's nothing like the laughter of a baby, unless it's 1am and you're home alone. Even then, there's still nothing like it. <laughs> <laughs> nothing quite like that. What an excellent day for an exorcism. I was having a pleasant dream when what sounded like hammering woke me. After that, I could barely hear the muffled sound of dirt covering the coffin over my own screams. Jackie 
want to play? I can't sleep, she whispered, crawling in bed with me. I woke up cold, clutching the dress she was buried in. Wait, why did you keep it? Fucking weird like that, man. Fuck. <laughs> I met this six-year-old child with this blank, pale, emotionless face and the blackest eyes, the devil's eyes. I begin tucking him into bed and he tells me, Daddy, check for monsters under my bed. I look underneath for his amusement and I see him, another him, under the bed, staring back at me, quivering and whispering, Daddy, there's somebody on my bed. I would shit myself. <laughs> we have such sights to show you. You get home, tired after a long day's work and ready for a relaxing night alone. You reach for the light switch, but another hand is already there. Sometimes, that is better. I can't move, breathe, speak, or hear, and it's so dark all the time. If I knew it would be this lonely, I would have been cremated instead. You let him drown. You never paid any attention. Look what you did to him. Look what you did to him. She went upstairs to check on her sleeping toddler. The window was open and the bed was empty. That's more like a kidnapping. I was expecting that one to be longer for some reason. <laughs> Death has come to your little town, Sheriff. You can either ignore it or you can help me to stop it. My daughter won't stop crying and screaming in the middle of the night. I visit her grave and ask her to stop, but it doesn't help. Open the pod bay doors, Hal. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. After working a hard day, I came home to see my girlfriend cradling our child. I don't know which was more frightening, seeing my dead girlfriend and stillborn child, or knowing that someone broke into my apartment to place them there. Oh, that's fucking creepy. That's creepy and disgusting. <laughs> I'm not even going to swat that fly. I hope they are watching. They'll see. They'll see and they'll know and they'll say, why, she wouldn't even harm a fly. There was a picture in my phone of me sleeping. I live alone. Ambien does fucked up shit. <laughs> I thought those were kind of fun. It was yeah. uh, uh, two sentence horror stories. Although those I think cool. I think some people cheated on the two sentences. I don't mm. think so. They were all two sentences. Yeah, there there's some longer sentences but <laughs> with commas and quotes, but yeah, I, I think that was pretty. That was pretty good. Some of those I like the I like the way that they twist things. Like yeah. where you you know you're expecting one thing and a twist at the end. I love that in comedy too, mm -hmm. where you know they'll they'll tell a story and it just that's totally flipped on its head or completely out of out of anything that you were expecting. A misdirection. All. Yeah, yeah, I love that kind of stuff. I heard a bad joke. That goes that way. Oh, yeah? 
This is a really good setup. Yeah. <laughs> I heard this really terrible joke. And then you probably don't even remember what it was, do you? Well, it wasn't really. It was more of like <laughs> it was a joke in conversation where they're talking about like hookers in Vegas. Uh-huh. And the guy said, "I got a bad hand job in Vegas for four hundred dollars." And the guy's like, "Why the fuck did you spend four hundred dollars in Vegas?" He's like, "Well, my brother needed the money." <laughs> nice. <laughs> you would think that your brother would know how to give a good hand job, right? I mean, I mean, he's very accustomed the to angles, that type of equipment. The angle's different. Oh, sure. Unless he's sitting on his lap. Gotta do a then that would around. just be weird. Yeah. <laughs> very, Don't look very, at me. Yeah. Don't look at me. <laughs> uh, I just derailed this from scary stories to have bad hand jobs. <laughs> Darling, light of my life. I'm not going to hurt you. You didn't let me finish my sentence. I said, I'm not going to hurt you. I'm just going to bash your brains in. I'm going to bash them right the fuck in. A 20-year-old mother from Alberta vanished after getting into an unknown man's vehicle in Nisku near Edmonton. She was staying in the area for a few days after arriving from Fort McMurray with her infant son and a female friend. RCMP released a disturbing audio recording in which Takaro is heard uh, talking to the driver. RCMP investigators believe that rather than taking Takaro north to the city, the man actually drove southeast along the rural roads of Leduc County. RCMP says it's the only time in Canadian history it released an audio recording to the public in a homicide investigation. Where are we by? We're just heading south of uh, Beaumont, or north of Beaumont. We're heading north of Beaumont. Yo, where are we going? Just... No, this is a... Are you f***ing kidding me? You better not take, you better not take me anywhere I don't want to go. I want to go into the city. Hey. Yo, we're not going into the city, are we? No, we're not. Then where the f*** these roads going to? 50th Street. 50th Street, are you sure? Absolutely. Yo, where are we going? 50th Street. 50th Street. Just four days after its release, horseback riders found Takaro's partial skeletal remains in a farmer's field in Leduc. The full audio recording is 17 minutes in length, with which corresponds almost perfectly to the amount of time it would take to drive from the motel where its car was staying to the site where her body was found two years later. Thank you to everybody who has rated the show on iTunes and Stitcher and are following us on YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. And to all our Patreon patrons, you make the show possible. The box. You opened it. We came. We'll tear your soul apart. So we're reading scary stories. Dan asked if we had any of our own scary stories, and I I think I I, did indeed. You did. So I don't believe in ghosts, but I do remember being a kid and the way our house was set up, like we got our living room and right next, like right behind the couch was the stairs that went upstairs to where mine my brother my sister's bedrooms were Mm -hmm. and i can remember being a kid and looking 
up the stairs in the dark and swearing that I could see someone standing on the top step. Someone. Like someone, just someone standing there. Like no one's up there. Like it wasn't my brother, it wasn't my sister. We're all in the living room. And I can remember just sitting there on the couch looking up there and like looked away like, oh shit. And then kind of looked back and we just stared up there like waiting for it to come back again. Could you describe them? Not really. I just remember seeing like a person like, like you would normally see, and it was dark. So it was a dark stair. So it could have been like a pareidolia type thing, looking up a set of dark stair steps. Mm-hmm. Just with the wind, there's a window right at the top of the stairs that's, you know, had very lightly light blinds. So it could have been some street light coming through. So I don't know what it was. But the other, the other weird thing is I got in trouble for not coming home on time a lot when I was a kid in high school. What? You know, mom and dad be like, hey, Ryan. What time did you get home last night? I'm like, I was home by like 11.50. My curfew was like midnight. Mm-hmm. And they'd be like, no, we we heard you come in and at like one in the morning. I'm like, no, I swear to fucking Jesus Luis Dreyfus, I came home at fucking 11.50. <laughs> I was home before my curfew. Like, I know I was. I know I was home on Seriously, time. Seriously? Or this is just what you're telling, telling your parents? No, no, I was. I was honestly home. Okay. If, if I wasn't going to make it home for curfew, I just didn't think I'm home. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I knew, and the thing is that the, it's an old house. My parents' house was built in like the 1890s. Oh, it's really? It's Wisconsin. Are they still in the same home? Oh, yeah. They're still in that same house. Yeah. But you'd go up the steps and it would make creaks. My parents' bedroom was right by the steps. Mm. So they would hear the steps creak as you'd go to bed. But I would know the spots to step on on the steps to try not to make noise as well. Like mm. stepping on the sides and I'd lift myself up on like, Oh, don't step on that one. Mm. So I'm gone. My brother's gone. And my sister's gone. Mm. My mom tells me one time, sorry for yelling at you when you were a kid, Ryan. It still sounds like people walk up the steps once in a while. Mm. That's kind of creepy. It is a little creepy and creaky. It's creaky. <laughs> I mean, the house isn't settling anymore. It's not settling after a hundred years. Yeah, but yeah, my mom told me once that they would still hear like sounds like sound like the the steps are creaking. There still is expansion and contraction of there, yeah, yeah. Boards I was gonna say with temperature. You know, my home is older. It was built in the seventies, and there it you know the upstairs flooring creaks quite a bit. Mm-hmm. But uh, I've noticed that, you know, if I'm just sitting in my office at different times of the day, I can hear different creaks and bangs when I know nobody's moving around and it's just different parts of the house warming up or cooling down and yeah, expanding and contracting, like you said. Yeah, yeah but your house isn't 100 years old. It would just be a little bit more creaky. <laughs> <laughs> kill you all. <laughs> I'll drive you crazy and I'll kill you all. I'm every nightmare you ever had. I am your worst dream come true. I'm everything you ever were afraid of. No, yeah, but I I totally get why some people think that, you know, that their house is haunted because those kinds of things happen and they don't have a good explanation. So it's like, oh, it's ghosts. Yeah. It's poltergeist. It's demons. It's even in like my new house. I mean, it's a newer, my house was built 2004 time frame. Mm hmm. And when I'm in the basement, like I was hearing a noise one day. I'm like, what the fuck is that? What the fuck's that noise? I'm like, I'm like, there better not be water leaking somewhere. And I realized it's the heating duct, the metal, like 
when it comes on or it's turning off, it's cooler down in the basement than it is upstairs. So I'm mm. thinking, oh, that's the channel that the duct runs through for the heating. So it's probably just that metal in there. It's kind of like like banging and little flexing. little little flex because it got heated up from the heater being turned on, and then all of a sudden it's cooling off, and it might flex just a little bit and make a little pop noise. And oh yeah, my the the house that my parents lived in together when I was a kid before they like it was the house that we were li- all living in when they got their divorce, you know, mm-hmm. separated and all that kind of stuff. Uh, it was a house in West Jordan and it was the same thing. Like during the, during the winter when the heater would kick on, if you were in the basement, you'd be sitting there and you'd just, you know, the heater would kick on and be on for, I don't know, 30 seconds or whatever. And part of, part of the duct work would heat up and you just hear this loud bang. Yeah. Is it like snapped into place or did its thing? But yeah, every time it came on, bang. Like 30 it, it, seconds after it kicked on. Yeah. Cause a lot of those things, it's got, it's, they're not perfectly flat. Like they have like those little, I don't know, like little, like X in them almost, mm-hmm, whatever. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's going to flex and move. I think they're designed to flex and move probably. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yes, sir. Yeah. It's the only time I can have an, I guess a ghost story. A census taker once tried to test me. I ate his liver. With some fava beans and a nice Chianti. There were a couple things when I was a kid that that frightened me, and at the time I could have sworn that they were true. And looking back, you're like, no, you had, you know, you you had some sleep paralysis, or there was another explanation. We had a, you know, you know, what I just realized, huh? You're like. The main guy in that TV show, Hill House. Oh, oh the, it was the oldest, just the oldest yeah, kid. the elder brother. Yeah, where he's saying, "No, that didn't happen." We all had that mental. Ill. We're all yeah. mentally ill. <laughs> <laughs> it rubs the lotion on its skin, or else it gets the hose again. Um. No, we we lived in. So it was my mom's second husband, Dick. His uh, name was Richard. Yeah. And his mother was a Danish immigrant. They named him Richard because for some reason she thought that she had to name him Richard in order to be able to call him Dick. She wanted, like, she wanted she his wanted name to, to be Dick. Dick. She called him Dick. Little Dicky? Yeah. She did. At that, oh, it was my little Dicky. Yeah. Oh. So. Just call him Dick. So I just, yeah, I called him Dick all the time. Well, it's uh, my grandpa's name is Richard, but it's always Grandpa Dick. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Growing up as a kid, I didn't know my grandpa's name was Richard. Oh, really? Yeah. Huh. That just seemed, I don't understand, like, that's a that's a really weird nickname. I'm guessing the term dick hasn't been used as a pejorative or something. Or slang term. Yeah. Or slang mm-hmm. for your, slang for your junk for yeah, no. a while. No. Yeah. It's, it's a relatively new development. And junk used to have a different meaning. Yeah. Boat. Boat. Oh yeah, the junk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. a junk junk out. Yeah. Well, no, there's actually a boat style called a junk. A junk. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. It's like it's Asian. Hmm. But yeah, so we were, you know, living with my mom and Dick in this older home in Murray. I think it was built in like the 20s or 30s. It was a little home with this really, I don't know, cramped little basement. My bedroom in the basement was eight by eight and 
my bed that I had at the time, I had, I had one of those really cool water beds. <laughs> <laughs> a really cool water bed and then the, the headboard and everything. But basically my bed with the headboard and frame and everything was eight feet long and Holy four shit. feet wide. So I had two feet on either side of the bed and then the bed went from wall to wall yeah. lengthwise. Luckily, you know, the closet is built into the wall and then there were also some dresser drawers uh, built into the wall. So I didn't have to move any other furniture in there. So it was the closet, my bed and some drawers built into the wall and some shelves above that. But that was it. It was, it was too small for me to even have a door on it because I couldn't have the door open into the bedroom because the bed was right there and I couldn't have it open into the hallway because the hallway was only like maybe three feet wide, maybe three feet wide. It was really like a really old cramped tiny basement. That's why homes need Lamborghini doors. (laughs) (laughs) The power of Christ compels you. So I didn't have a door on my bedroom for privacy. I eventually ended up getting like a curtain. It, yeah, but it wasn't even a curtain. It was just bed sheets with a curtain rod. Oh. <laughs> so it was like these old shitty blue. I would grow up fairly poor. So it was these old shitty blue sheets just wrapped over this curtain rod mm-hmm. uh, in the doorway. And, you know, during the day I'd go down and sit on my bed and read or do whatever. And I would typically just leave that blind open or not the blind, but the, the curtains or drapes <laughs> or bed sheet stretched across the doorway. And it was a creepy old house. And I like scary movies. And, you know, we right around Halloween, we'd always have like a movie marathon of scary movies. And sometimes we'd, uh, we'd go to Blockbuster or movie buffs mm-hmm. or somewhere and try to, we'd have contests to see who could get the shittiest scary movie available. Mm-hmm. There's one actually that I would, that I want to recommend to everybody. It's called drive-in massacre. Uh, I believe it was filmed sometime in the late sixties, maybe early seventies. Prime sometime, time sometime for bad between cinema. like 1968 and like 82, right? Somewhere right in between there called drive-in massacre. And it's fucking awful. It's so bad. <laughs> They're during the movie, the two main characters, the, these two police officers, they change names. Like their names what? in the movie change. They, like they changed the name, the character names and then just didn't, uh, yeah, no, like just didn't like, address it. Like yeah, someone like, else took over writing the script and fucked up. Like it's like, it's two, it's two officers, uh, you know, like Frank and Bob and Frank and Bob later changes into like Frank and Bill. <laughs> with no explanation uh, why. and they're at, in in one scene they're looking for a samurai sword because they're it you know the premise of the movie is that there's a drive-in and people have been murdered there there's like a serial killer at this at particular drive-in. drive-in theater and one of the weapons used was a samurai sword in one of the killings and so these these officers who at different points in the movie change names are searching through this person's home and they're like opening kitchen drawers and looking under towels, <laughs> like looking under, you know, like hand, like washcloths and stuff for a fucking samurai. Yeah. The, yeah, the common places where you hide them. Yeah. Where, where know, they won't because fit. Because you would, you would hide a samurai sword under, you know, a paperback book. It, yeah. It's just, it's fucking ridiculous. 
Oh, no tears, please. It's a waste of good suffering. But so anyway, we would have these movie marathons. We'd order Little Caesar's Pizza. Do you guys remember when Little Caesar's Pizza used to come in? They, they, they would call it Pizza Pizza because it was just two oh, yeah. pizzas on cardboard with paper dripped yeah. over it, and they'd staple it closed. So you <laughs> could get two pizzas for like five bucks. Mm-hmm. So we'd go, we'd rent a bunch of terrible horror movies, order some Little Caesars pizzas, and yeah, just watch terrible, awful horror movies and, and eat Little Caesars pizza. So we did that. We did that quite a bit. I loved scary movies. I used to read Stephen King novels and Clive Barker. I'd like all, all kinds of horror stuff. That was my jam. And I don't know if I had like a, what is it? A sleep paralysis kind of thing. Or if I was dreaming with my eyes open a, a, a or just nightmare. was tired and had a hallucination or whatever the case was. But I can remember laying on my bed. And of course, you know, laying on my bed means that I'm looking out the doorway because mm-hmm. there's nothing. I didn't even have a window in my bedroom. It was <laughs> not up to code. It probably shouldn't no. have been a bedroom. Well, I shouldn't have been staying in there. Well, it depends on when it was built. Yeah. yeah. But uh so I'm laying in bed and I looked up from whatever I was doing. And in my memory, there was a guy standing there. And he was either like a Hasidic Jew or a Quaker guy, like, you know, Did he have dark, the, dark woolen clothing. Did he have the curls? That I couldn't tell you for uh, sure. I want to say yes, but I'm not positive. Because that makes a determination what he is. But like beard with a hat yeah. and the dark clothing and everything and was just standing there staring at me. And I'm staring at him and he's staring at me and. This goes on for a few seconds and I'm getting to the point where I'm like, okay, do I need to scream? Who the fuck is this guy standing there in my bedroom doorway, just staring at me? I don't know what the fuck is going on. And just at the point where I'm like starting to get actually terrified and really scared and I'm about to yell for help for somebody, he just turned to his right and walked down the hallway and I just sat there on my bed and I'm getting goosebumps telling you about the story. But so I, so I sat there on my bed, terrified for I don't know how long, wondering if I should get up and run up the stairs or if I should yell, you know, if I should try to find something in my drawers or in my closet <laughs> that I could possibly defend myself with. I eventually got up off the bed and ran down the hallway and up the stairs and outside and. Or not outside, but out of out of the basement yeah. area into the living room, and yeah. You. Here. You missed your one opportunity to turn your water bed into a holy water bed. Yeah. That's also a great. That's a great uh, idea for a horror comedy, the Hasidic serial killer, you know, <laughs> with a samurai. <laughs> I have to kill you, but oh, with the blood, the mess, and the screaming. <laughs> well, if you could just take it down a notch or two. I'm sorry, I'm upsetting you, David, but you don't understand what's going on. I understand, all right. You're one of the undead, and I'm a werewolf. So, like I said, I don't know if it was just just a pure hallucination. If I had, yeah, a night terror. If I was 
dreaming. I don't, I don't know what the case was, but. Or if somebody walked in the wrong house, was like, oh shit, there's a kid. Well, you know, of course I tell my mom about it and she's like, well, there's nobody here. And then she gets a little freaked out right. and because she had had my mom, my mom's a very pretty lady when she was younger. Not that she's not pretty now, but when <laughs> she was younger, like everybody thought she looked like Linda Carter. They'd, they'd say that she looked like Wonder Woman. So my mom's always been a very attractive woman and would get followed when we'd go out anywhere. So she had, she had had stalkers. She'd had, you know, people calling and leaving profane and, and very gross messages on yeah. her, on her voicemail system or not voicemail, fucking answering machine. Yeah. So yeah, she got a little freaked out and yeah, it was, it was a little, little creepy, but I'm sure it was nothing. I mean, you know, I didn't hear anybody leave the house. The, the door is right there at the top of the stairs to exit the house. And you know that, and it was well, an old, old house with yeah. a really old squeaky creaky, you know, uh, stairs. No, not stairs. Door? The, the door, like the stone yeah. door, like your, oh, okay. your screen door. That would, you know, bang against the house and, mm. but you know, there were, there was no sound at all after the guy turned and walked down the hallway. So maybe he just melted into the floor was waiting there, for the next little boy. Was there Hasidic Jews in the scary movie? Maybe it could have been, could have been something that, you know, like watching children of the corn. Oh, yeah. Right around those times. Yeah. I never found children of the corn to be scary. <laughs> That's because that was just another day in Wisconsin. Hey. <laughs> so that's my scary story of, of when I was younger. There was another time that I scared the shit out of myself, but it was just, it turned out to be really fucking dumb. Um, I was downstairs and it was the house where my parents were living when they, when they separated. I was downstairs and had been watching, I think I was watching Friday the 13th, like the original Friday the 13th, mm -hmm. by myself in the basement, in the dark, like the TV's the only light on in the area. And I got scared, decided that I was going to go upstairs, went to walk upstairs and felt something tugging on my foot as I went to go up the first stair. <laughs> and like, you know, a brief couple seconds of, of like, screaming terror i didn't scream out loud but just like in searing white panicky terror in my head before i realized that i was tripping over the vacuum cord oh. as i was going <laughs> up the stairs so yeah but those are the scariest things like I, I don't really have any major scary stories or anything in in my past no there's there's always like the creepiness like yeah. it's not it's not scary it's just creepy and your body is your brain's overreacting to all this creepy stimuli around you oh, yeah. and making you think oh shit oh shit oh shit it's like no there's nothing that's gonna fucking kill you here nothing's yeah. haunted no ghosts are gonna fucking get you your brain is just on overdrive it's weird how your brain can control so much of that oh yeah and and how hard it is to talk yourself down from shit like that like even now there are times when like i'll i'll have a I'll have a creepy thought in my head or a scary thought in my head and I'll be in the shower 
closing my eyes, washing my hair. And then I, then I think I hear something and it's like, mm-hmm. oh, that was nothing. You know, I'm just, I'm in here yeah. and I'm washing my hair and I'm washing my face and my eyes are closed. And then you hear, think you hear something else. And it's like, well, maybe somebody's home. Well, no, no, Tracy went and she's, she's out of the house. Maybe she came home early. Well, maybe it's one of the dogs. No, they're locked in their kennels or no, they're outside. And, and then your mind just starts, you know, running away with all of these wild thoughts and you're like calm the fuck down idiot like there's <laughs> nothing there but you still there's that little creeping yeah. creepiness in mm, your mind go, that there's a pistol in the bedroom next to the bed <laughs> <laughs> can i get, get there, there in time soaking wet maybe soap in my eyes what if the uh, attacker has a knife and they're already right outside the shower door yeah <laughs> and you Fuckers. can almost feel Somebody there, you know, while your eyes are closed. And then you open them, you're like, oh, see, what? I told you there's nobody there. You fucking <laughs> idiot. <laughs> I, I, I had that as a kid all the time where I'd get freaked out. Like, I'd be laying in bed and I'd hear something. I'd keep hearing noises. Like, oh, shit. And I would do the whole under the co- – like, literally, like, <gasps> I can't. Like, oh, shit. Like, hold your breath. Hold your breath. Under the covers, doing like you see in the movies. Like I remember doing that as a kid. Wait, you pulled, you put head. the covers over your head. You're one of those people. Yeah, I thought that was a movie thing. No, why would you? Like, why would you do up. that? I don't know why. That's the I worst did that. decision you can make. I was a kid. <laughs> I remember being a kid and like I would hear noises. And I would think something's coming into the room and I would freak the fuck out and I would and put so the sheets like, over me. So you think I'm going to deprive more senses? Yeah. I don't want to see what it is. <laughs> is that the logic behind it? You don't, I don't want to know see what it is. I was a kid. You're like an ostrich. Is if you can't see it, it can't see, see you. Me? But as, a, as you know, as <laughs> oh, why not just carry a blade of grass around and hold it in front of your eye? Like, like I'm not. I'm not talking like me. like teenager. I'm talking like probably like yeah, it like five to oh, yeah, eight. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I, I was never a blanket over the head kid. Every I time was. I saw that in movies, I was like, "What are they doing?" I it's, wasn't either. Like, I I wasn't ever a blanket over the head kid because then I thought, well, then I won't be able to tell when they're coming to get me. Yeah, I was. I I'd pull the covers up close to my face and like right around my face, but <laughs> I had to be able to, you know, I had to make sure that I could see what the fuck was going on. I I think I was a. I'm hidden. <laughs> <laughs> they'll never see me here this moving lump and, under the under and trying the to like anything away and trying to ignore <laughs> it like like i don't hear anything like trying to cover like just pretend it's not there pretend yeah. it's not there type of thing yeah. but like i said when we weren't recording i loved unsolved mysteries when i was a little kid mm, probably because yeah. it scared the shit out of my sister is that the one with robert what the fuck was that uh, guy's name yeah, he's he died like a year or so robert ago Yurik or robert? no I can't. But remember. he had that distinctive voice. Oh yeah. And my parents would they had like their bowling league on Sundays. It's Wisconsin. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna look that guy. And uh I would I would put that on the TV and my sister would almost instantly start crying. Hmm. Going to Robert hide. Stack. Yeah. Just that, that intro music in his voice scared the living shit out of my sister. The intro music for Unsolved Mysteries. When I was a kid, it was the scariest thing. It was funny. See, he'd be talking over this on tonight's episode. A woman travels to her car. Yeah. A woman is accosted while walking to her car late at night. Or she climbs into her car late at night without checking the back seat and drives halfway yeah. home before she realizes she's not alone. <laughs> and she forgot the cookies. <laughs> but yeah, that would 
just that when that music would come on and he would start talking, my sister, there's two things that scared the shit out of her that were so fun. Mm-hmm. That and tornado sirens. Oh, tornado yeah. sirens? Yeah. Those are a little bit eerie. Or like when the TV would do the, like the warning type, like a little ticker tape thing. They would come across with the banner saying, severe thunderstorm in your area. Take shelter. Go to your basement. Are there tornadoes a lot in Wisconsin? Yeah, actually. Really? I mean, we we had one, I guess it was like a, I don't know if it's classified as an actual tornado. We had something come through and hit where we were without power for a few weeks and I had to ride my bike to work and like the rocks were all ripped off the top of the building. Almost all the signs in the freeway were ripped down. We had a park that like literally you could see the path that whatever it was took through the park where the trees are just laid down. Like a good 150 trees were downed in the park. Mm-hmm. We couldn't go anywhere. I remember the day the power came back on, a guy was cutting trees still from the debris mm. and power came back. And all of a sudden everything starts clicking like, ah, oh, the fan came on, the TV came on, the fridge is on. Within like 20 minutes, it was all out again. Cause the guy with that chainsaw down the street, yeah, he fucked up and knocked another line down. Oh, <laughs> shit. <laughs> remember my dad, we, we went to go cook a pizza on the grill. Uh-huh. Uh, he left the cardboard on it. Left the cardboard. Oh, nice. So you have the cardboard that's on a oh, pizza. Oh, frozen took, pizza? Yeah, on a frozen uh, pizza. Since we didn't have any electricity, we're trying to eat everything out of the freezer, and we'd go to like the grocery store and get bags of ice and stuff. But yeah, I remember the first time we put a pizza on the grill, because we didn't, stove didn't work. Uh-huh. He put the, uh, he forgot the cardboard underneath it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's hard to tell sometimes, because they totally cover the cardboard yeah. with the pizza, and then... The pizza itself isn't much better than cardboard a lot of the time. I love Jack's pizzas. Also, if people are looking for YouTube stuff to disturb them, I have a playlist on my channel called Creepy Odd Bizarre, and it's just a list, just a playlist of a bunch of random unsettlings you can look up if you, if you want. I should love watching Tales from the Crypt. I mean, I thought they were going to bring it back, but. Oh, really? I had heard rumors like a year or two ago they're bringing Tales from the Crypt back to HBO, but I never, then I never saw anything on it. There was there was a show, I want to say it was maybe it was Tales limits. from the Dark Side. Did you ever watch that? Was that the disc where it had like multiple stories, like the weird stories where they're in hell and they're all telling like their stories of how they got there? No, there was, there was a TV show on when I was a kid. It was on Friday nights. It would be on late at night and I can't fucking remember the name of it. But the, the opening was super creepy. It was like, uh, it was like negative photos of trees and like you're walking along a wooded path, but it's, but it's like, like a negative. Uh, yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. 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 Trying to, and then the, like the theme music was, yeah. yeah. Then the theme music was really terribly frightening and I'm trying to find the name of it and it's losing me. So. I've been searching while you've been talking and yeah. trying to fill airtime here, and I can't find it. But yeah, it was it was a terrifying show. Every week, it was just a, a really fucking creepy story. Like they'd have either one or two stories. Yeah, there. Well, there's one where I remember, you know, it kind of would take the old like. It had, sometimes they had like the the monkey paw type story on there, where you know the person gets the wishes, and the way the wish comes true isn't what they wanted. Like the guy wishes for a son back, mm-hmm. but his son was killed in Vietnam. It's, it's like, always, the, how can we make this the worst so, wish fulfillment? Yeah, so the casket comes rolling into the house, and his son comes out of the casket screaming in pain because 
he was blowing up in Vietnam. Why so. did you do this to me? Why did you bring me back? Yeah. <laughs> Not even that. Just a guy that's in there going, ah, making all the noises. But there was one story on there that I thought was like the creepiest. And like, this is one I could see coming true. Mm-hmm. And it was a guy that ran a, uh, asylum, kind of like an asylum for blind people to house them and, and help them. But the guy was really strict. He was like a military drill instructor kind of strict. And the people that were there didn't really like him too much. Mm-hmm. So the blind people ended up, uh, setting up a thing in the basement blind where it had different corridors, but all the corridors were filled with razor blades. Oh, they abducted him first. So they abducted the guy, put him in, locked him into a room. Mm-hmm. And they build this corridor outside with the razor blades on the walls on the inside. The guy also had two guard dogs that he loved. Well, they were starving the guard dogs. Mm-hmm. So when it comes time for them to let him loose, they blinded the guy so that he was as blind as they were and let him loose in the hallway filled with razor blades. So he's cutting himself, trying to find his way out. If you, if you try to touch the walls, he's just touching razor blades and getting all slashed up. And then when he gets to the end of the little maze, it's two of his Doberman pinchers that were starving the whole time. The dogs eat him. Mm. Love you. So never trust blind people. <laughs> yeah, that would suck. Yeah. Mm. There was a disc. I remember watching it. was like the series of movies. It's kind of like a, a ripoff of Tales from the Crypt. Mm-hmm. Where it'd be people were basically like in hell in purgatory telling their stories and they would just basically whoever's in purgatory with them would decide if you were a bad person or if you didn't deserve hell. Hmm. And they all went to hell. And I still fucking love scary movies. Like that's, that's, oh yeah. Horror movies is one of my favorite genres, if not the favorite. And. I have a hard time because Tracy hates them. She won't watch scary movies. I don't like horror films that rely on the jump scares. No, I don't either. Yeah. I I like I like either really intelligent movies that are that are horror based, mm-hmm. you know, that that scare you because it's just a creepy story, or I like very violent, gory ones where <laughs> they're just like entirely creative uh in the ways in which they use the gore. Yeah. Yeah, those are those are fun. Like a like just a gore fest, terribly bloody movie where they're really imaginative in the way that like Saw. Those are fun. Um, Saw's maybe sure some of them. Saw's useless violence, but in a very creative way. Yeah, I like the first Saw. I couldn't tell you that I've. I know I've seen maybe a couple others, but I haven't watched all of them for sure. So a little history behind the first Saw movie. He was a graduating film student who didn't have enough money to afford all the sets that he wanted to go film at for his movie. I think you told us yeah. this last week or the yeah. week before. So he changed it so it was all one spot. You don't have to move your cameras around. Don't, you don't yeah. have to pay for locations. Location, he yeah. can only afford one location to shoot in, so he just shot that one location. Hmm. And now that guy's filthy, stinking rich. <laughs> They've been making a movie every fucking year, it seems like, hmm. since that one. When I know Matt has some much creepier stories for us. Yeah, we're not very creepy. Let's do those. I I do, yeah. Okay, let's do those. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Elisa Lamb was a student at the University of British Columbia when she took a trip to the Cecil Hotel in Los Angeles and disappeared. On February 6th, a week after Lamb had last been seen, the LAPD decided more help was needed. Flyers with her image were posted in the neighborhood and online. It brought the case to the public's attention through the media. 
On February 14th, another week with no sign of her, the LAPD released a video of the last known sighting of her taken in one of the Cecil Cecil's elevators by video surveillance camera. Um, it drew worldwide interest in the case due to Lamb's strange behavior and had uh, has been extensively analyzed and discussed. In the clip, the camera camera at one corner of the elevator's cab rear uh, corners looks down from the ceiling, offering a view not just of its interior, but of the hallway outside. It's somewhat grainy, and the timestamp at the bottom is obscured. At some points, Lamb's mouth is pixel pixelized. Um, before I keep reading, the timestamp obscure thing is kind of one of the mysteries about this. It, it, like, it, like why it was obscured? Yeah, it appears as if the entire video that the hotel released was slowed down for some reason, oh, and it's okay. missing 54 seconds of video. Huh. Hmm. So, just keep that in mind. Okay. Um, at the start of the video, Lamb enters clad, she enters the elevator clad in a red zippered hooded sweatshirt over a gray t-shirt with black shorts and sandals. She enters from the left and goes into the goes to the control panel, appears to select several floors, and then steps back to the corner. After a few seconds during which the door fails to close, she steps up to it, leans forward so her head is through the door, looks in both directions, and quickly steps back in, backing up to the wall and then into the corner near the control panel. The door remains open. She walks to it again and stands in the doorway, leaning on the side. Suddenly, she steps out into the hall, then to her side, back in, looking side to side, then back out. She then steps sideways again, and for a few seconds, she's mostly invisible behind the wall. She has her back just to the outside, and the elevator door remains open. Her right arm can be seen going up to her head, and she turns to re-enter the cab, putting both hands on the side of the door. She then turns. She then goes to the control panel, presses many more buttons, some more than once, and returns to the wall she had come into the elevator from, putting both hands over her ears again briefly as she walks back to the section of the wall she had been standing against before. The elevator door still open. She turns to her right and begins rubbing her forearms together, then waves her hands out to her sides with palms flat and fingers outstretched, while bowing forward slightly and rocking gently. This can all be seen through the door, which remains open. After she backs to the wall again and walks away to the left, it finally closes. During the search for Lamb, guests at the hotel began complaining about low water pressure. Some later claimed their water was colored black and had an unusual taste. On the morning of February 19th, Lamb's body was found in one of four 1,000-gallon tanks, providing water to guest rooms, a kitchen, and a coffee shop. The tank was drained and cut open since its maintenance hatch was too small to accommodate equipment needed to remove her body. On February 21st, the Los Angeles coroner's office issued a finding of accidental drowning. Dr uh, accidental drowning. <laughs> I've never made that mistake before. <laughs> she drowned it. She drowned it. Uh, with, uh, so the coroner's office issued a finding of accidental drowning with bipolar disorder as a significant factor. 
The full coroner's report, released in June, stated that Lamb's body had been found naked. Clothing similar to that which she was wearing in the elevator video was floating in the water, coated with a sand-like particulate. Her watch and room key were also found with her. Lamb's body was moderately decomposed and bloated. It was mostly greenish with some marbling evident on the abdomen and skin separation evident. There was no evidence of physical trauma, sexual assault, or suicide. Toxicology tests were incomplete because not enough of her blood was preserved, uh, but showed traces consistent with prescription medication found among her belongings. Uh, A very small quantity of alcohol, about about 0.02, was present, but no other recreational drugs. Um, So some of the major unresolved issues, uh, the investigation had determined how Lamb died, but did not offer an explanation as to how she got in the tank in the first place. Doors and stairs that access the hotel's roof are locked, with only staff having passcodes and keys, and any attempt to force them would supposedly have triggered an alarm. Hmm. So thinking about that missing 50 seconds of video that was released by the hotel. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, Apart from the question of how she got on the roof, others asked if she could have gotten into the tank by herself. All four tanks are four by eight foot cylinders propped up on concrete blocks. There's no fixed access to them, and hotel workers had to use a ladder to look at the water. They're protected by heavy lids that would be difficult to replace from within. Huh. Um, The autopsy report and its conclusions have also been questioned. For instance, it does not say what the results of the rape kit and fingernail kit were, uh, or even if they were processed. It also records subcutaneous pooling of blood in Lamb's anal area, which some observers suggested was a sign of sexual abuse. However, one pathologist has noted it could have resulted from bloating in the course of the body's decomposition. Her rectum was also prolapsed. Even the coroner's pathologist appeared to be ambivalent about their conclusion that Lamb's death was accidental. One page of the report has a form with boxes to check as to whether the death was accidental, natural, homicide, suicide, or undetermined in large type and a sufficient distance from each other. The accident box was dated June 15th. However, three days later, the undetermined box was checked instead. Uh, This was at some point in the three days before the report's release noted as an error and crossed out and initialed. Hmm. Um, Her phone was not found either with her body or in her hotel room. It's been assumed to have been stolen at some time around her death. Hmm. It's pretty much all... I mean, there's tons of stuff online about what people think happened, maybe, or whatever, but that's all the known stuff for sure, and... Like, Watching her in the elevator is really bizarre. I don't know if you guys have seen the video. Mm-mm. I don't think I have. We'll probably have to watch it after this. Yeah. Well, so it's, it says that she suffered from bipolar disorder. Mm-hmm. So that would account for maybe some of the weirdness of her going in and out of the elevator. And- maybe. Maybe it would, but... Or did she know someone was after her and she was in the elevator and it That's wasn't working? what like it looks like hotel, to me. Like, she thought some of the hotel staff might be after her and she's freaking out because 
Shit's not working. She can't escape. She's trying to get something out of her room, maybe. Get away. It sure looks to me like she's afraid of something. Huh. But... But it also And I don't have bipolar, so I don't know... I don't know what the mania is like or what her swings yeah. were like or whatever. Hmm. But but it also sounds like the cops would have almost had to have been in on it too if they're uh, like all the reports, the dating on them and not releasing the rape kit and the fingernail kit saying, well, we're not going to show you what those had in them. It could just be... Well, they might have just been not even been processed. Or, yeah, because yeah, I mean, I think because the coroner initially listed her death as accidental i think then probably they're just like okay well we don't need that yeah it's a different way to handle a body after that you know which i think they should always treat suspect cases as a homicide right off the bat and, just mm-hmm. because it follow every avenue instead of closing to try the to door. preserve all right. of the evidence yeah. available yeah. right your suffering will be legendary even in hell this one is interesting because I think a couple of urban legends and uh, sort of street wisdom, well-known street wisdom, have come from this guy, and nobody even knows that's the reason for it. Have have uh, come from this guy? This guy named Dean Coral. Oh, Dean Coral. That sounds familiar. Coral. Coral. I was no, just thinking the same thing. Coral. Yeah. Get back in the house. <laughs> it's literally C-O-R-L-L. Huh. huh. Coral. Um, but I think you will see what I mean. So this is not recent. The Dean Coral is a long time ago. Uh, to everyone around him, Dean Coral seemed like an ordinary person. He enjoyed spending time at the small candy factory his mother owned in an affluent neighborhood of Houston. He got along with many of the boys who came by just to see the candy come off the assembly line. He served in the army during the Vietnam War and never had a criminal record. Neighbors described him as quiet, well-mannered, groomed, pleasant, considerate, and always smiling. Behind the smile, however, Dean Coral hid a twisted, nasty, deadly secret. Between December 13, 1970 and July 25, 1973, a total of 28 boys ranging in age from 13 to 20 disappeared from the Heights neighborhood five miles west of downtown Houston. They were all tortured and killed by Dean Coral. How many? 28. Wow. And what? That was a short time span. Three years. Wow. Until Gacy, he was, he was the most prolific known serial killer in American history. Uh, authorities never ascertained a clear motive, and the more you dig into Dean Coral's story, the more horrific he becomes. First, he recruited two teenagers as accomplices. Uh, One was 17-year-old Wayne Henley, and the other was 18-year-old David Brooks. They knew many of Coral's victims personally. A few of the dead boys were their friends. Ultimately, without the confessions of these accomplices, no one would have ever known what happened to the Lost Boys of Houston Heights. The accomplices, however, reveal all, including Coral's disturbing methods. The trio used Coral's Plymouth GTX muscle car or his white van to lure one by one over the uh, to lure victims one by one over the span of two and a half years. Coral used candy, mm-hmm. alcohol, or the promise of going to a party to 
to get each teenager inside. So a white van with candy. He's the candy man. <laughs> he is the candy man. Mm. So those two, the candy man myth, the urban myth, and then also the street wisdom of the man in the van with the candy. Mm. Yep. Was Dean Coral. Anyone who got into the van would never come back. Coral and his accomplices would take the boys to his apartment or house. There they bound and gagged each victim. Then Coral forced them to write postcards or notes home to their families to say they were okay. One victim, Mark Scott, was a friend of the two teenage accomplices. He was 17 and disappeared on the evening of April 20th, 1972. He was never seen alive again. His parents reported him missing after frantically calling classmates, friends, and neighbors to see if they knew anything. A couple of days later, the Scott family received a postcard saying Mark found a job in Austin that paid $3 an hour. The Scots did not believe that their boy would suddenly leave town without saying goodbye. They knew something was terribly wrong. It wasn't until a year later that they learned the truth. The horrors that befell Mark Scott were similar to those experienced by many other boys who crossed paths with Dean Coral. The torture that he inflicted on his victims makes his killings all the more terrifying. Coral and his accomplices would strip them naked, handcuff them to a piece of plywood, bind their hands and feet, and sexually torture them in various ways before finally killing them. One of those included inserting a glass straw into the urethra and breaking it off inside. Oh, goddamn! Coral got away with this for so long in part because no one suspected him. He moved frequently, often every two weeks, and kept mostly to himself. The murders only stopped because Henley, one of the accomplices, had finally had enough. The young man grabbed Coral's gun, screamed he couldn't kill any more of his friends, and shot Coral in the head at his rental home in the Houston suburb of Pasadena. It was the same gun that Coral had used to kill his victims. Henley and his fellow accomplice, Brooks, confessed shortly after. Detectives then learned that Coral rented a boat storage shed in another part of Houston. Investigators found 17 victims buried there. Oh. Another six bodies were in the Bolivar Peninsula, while four victims were buried in the woodland area at, Sam, at Lake Sam Rayburn. Police didn't identify the 28th victim until 1983. Damn. He recruited two accomplices? Yeah. I can't see how you can just will, willingly help to do that. Well. Unless there's something devious in your head as well. Or if you don't, you're going to be on the plywood. Yeah, but then he's going to have to get another accomplice to get you on there. I mean, he, he had the balls to shoot him in the head finally, so he probably had many opportunities to do the same thing. Well, it's weird how twisted people like that find other twisted people. To, to help, to help them, them with stuff like yeah. that. I mean, there, I know I've heard of a few different cases where, you know, somebody abducts a couple young girls and, you know, recruits one or two other people to help them in keeping them as sex slaves for a long, long, long time. Well, I'm I've, trying to remember the name of the guy in California, the, the two guys in California where they had uh, dug dug like a rape room in the backyard under the shed and had, I think two or three different women that they, that they had abducted and kept this in the seventies, eighties. I want to say eighties or nineties. Are you thinking of Leonard Lake and Charles Ng? Maybe so. Yeah, I think so. Cause they had some setup similar to that. Yeah. 
Well, then there was there's the one in Ohio where the guy had abducted her when she was like 12 years old, had a child with her, kept her locked up in a room. Are you talking about Ariel Castro? Yeah. He had three girls in three. there. Three. Yeah, he had three, but he only had a child with one of them. Well, I thought he beat the shit out of them so that they would not. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, he he got away with that for a long time. And that was the one where that stupid fucking psychic bitch got on like Oprah or Ricky Lake or one oh, of those and shows. Oh, said that your daughter's Your dead. daughter's dead. She's yeah. by the water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And all that stuff. And then here, then it was like, what, 15 years later after the whole Ricky Lake thing, here she is. But I get, I do got to say, the funniest part of that story, nothing nothing's funny about it. <laughs> the only thing funny about the story is the guy that when she escaped and she oh, ran yeah, down yeah. the street to the to the black the guy and the black guy's like I knew something was wrong cuz ain't no white lady running down the street asking for help from a black man throwing herself <laughs> yeah cuz she threw herself at him she was yeah. like you got to help me and he's like that something is really happening yeah. here wow yeah but now crazy lady i mean she's been taking care of that child that had never seen the outside world right right cuz he took i thought he took one of them like shopping once in a while Mm, I don't think so, but I might be wrong about that. I think he left them all chained up. Yeah, still, that's fucked up. And she was chained up for a long time. I thought it was like close to like 20 years. It was like 10 years was for it, them, yeah. I thought it was longer than... Or was she in her 20s when they found her? I think it was like 2002 to 2012, something like that. Yeah, it was fucked up. Damn. Huh. You have more? This one might be the most disturbing, so I'm going to throw another quick little trigger warning ahead okay. of this one. Okay. It's the most disturbing to me. Yeah. Other people might find different parts of what I've already said the worst thing, but, you know. All of the, You guys tell me stories all the time that I'm like, why the fuck do you guys know these things? <laughs> it's, it's... Like, it's interesting. It's when interesting. You, when you tell me, like, I'm like, I'm enthralled. Like, I'm I'm wanting to hear more about it, but at the same time, it's like... I don't. It's like, it's kind of like I'm oddly excited for this H. H. Holmes film to come out. Mm. Who is H. H. Holmes? Oh, you don't know. We oh, talked was that about the H. H. Holmes, hotel guy? The hotel yeah. guy in okay. Chicago during the World's yeah, yeah, Fair, yeah. the 1920s World Fair, where they loosely based the one of the seasons of I, of American Horror Story. Yeah, mm. yeah. Well, they're actually doing. I think it's Leonardo DiCaprio is actually playing H. Yeah. H. Holmes in the movie. They're doing an actual movie about the real. Oh, really? Hotel. Hmm. Hmm. That'll be interesting. Yeah, it will. Sure will. Hmm. Your suffering will be legendary even in hell. Be warned. This one bothers me, but... I am warned. CCTV surveillance from the New Strand Shopping Center in the UK taken February 12th, 1993 shows Robert Thompson and John Venables casually observing children, apparently selecting a target. The boys, who were 10 years old, were skipping school, which they did regularly. Throughout the day, Thompson and Venables were seen stealing various items, including sweets, a troll doll, some batteries, and a can of blue paint. One of the boys later revealed that they were planning to find a child to abduct, lead him to the busy road alongside the shopping center, and push him into the path of oncoming traffic. Fuck. Jesus. That same afternoon, James Patrick Bulger from nearby Kirkby 
went with his mother Denise to the New Strand Shopping Center. Whilst inside the A.R. Tim's Butcher Shop on the lower floor of the center around 3.40, Denise, who'd been temporarily distracted, realized that her son had disappeared. Did I mention as a two-year-old boy? Mm. Uh, I don't know if that's in here as I'm glancing over this. Mm. Uh, Thompson and Venables approached him and took him by the hand, leading him out of the shopping center. The moment was caught on CCTV at 3.42. Thompson and Venables took Bulger on a meandering two-and-a-half-mile walk across Liverpool to the Leeds and Liverpool Canal, where he was dropped on his head and suffered injuries to his face. The boys joked about pushing Bulger into the canal. During the walk across Liverpool, the boys were seen by 38 people. Hmm. Bulger had a bump on his forehead and was crying, but most bystanders did nothing to intervene. Two people challenged Thompson and Venables, but they claimed Bulger was their younger brother or that he was lost and they were taking him to the local police station. Eventually, the boys arrived in the village of Walton, and with Walton Lane Police Station across the road facing them, they hesitated and led Bulger up a steep bank to a railway line near the disused Walton and Anfield Railway Station close to Anfield Cemetery. One of the boys threw blue paint, which they'd stolen earlier, into Bulger's left eye. Mm. They kicked him, stomped on him, and threw bricks and stones at him. Batteries were placed in Bulger's mouth, and according to police, some may have been inserted into his anus. Finally, the boys dropped a 22-pound iron bar described as a railway fish plate on Bulger. He sustained ten skull fractures as a result of the bar striking his head. Jesus. Dr. Alan Williams, the case's pathologist, stated that Bulger suffered too many injuries, 42 in total, that none could be isolated as a fatal blow. Thompson and Venables laid Bulger across the railway tracks and weighted his head down with rubble in the hopes that a train would hit him and would make his death appear to be an accident. After they left the scene, his body was cut in half by a train. Bulger's severed body was discovered two days later. Forensic pathologist testified that he had died before he was struck by the train. Police suspected that there was a sexual element to the crime since Bulger's pants and underpants had been removed. The pathologist's report, which was read out in court, found that Bulger's foreskin had been forcibly retracted. When Thompson and Venables were questioned about this aspect of the attack by de- uh, detectives and a child psychiatrist, Thompson and Venables were reluctant to give details. Uh, they were found guilty on November 24, 1993, making them the youngest convicted murderers in modern English history. They were sentenced to detention until a parole board decision in June 2001 recommended their release on a lifelong license at age 18. In 2010, Venables was sent to prison for breaching the terms of his license and was released on parole again in 2013. And in November last year, Venables was again sent to prison for possessing child abuse images on his computer. Damn. Yeah, that's one of the ones you just lock up. Ten-year-old, man. A ten-year-old who... And I, I don't know the entire involvement of Robert Thompson in this, except that he seems to be going along for the ride, because Venables, to me, seems like the real problem, because he's still doing it. Yeah. He still mm-hmm. has... You know, he still has child abuse pictures on his computer, which means that's 
probably his thing. Mm-hmm. So you know, at he was he was out looking for at ten years old some young boy to abuse so that he could you know get his arousal or whatever. I, th- I think I've seen the photo of them too. Mm-hmm. As uh, there's like a thing on like child murderers. Oh yeah. But how awful. That, isn't that, that one disturbs me anyway. I mean, just they all do, but that one just is. I, that that seems to be a really clear case of where the fuck were the parents yeah. of these kids, man? Yeah, that, that reminds me of the one that came out of Russia where the uh, teenagers took the two homeless people into the woods. Mm. Oh, dug the hole for him, put him in the hole and started just fucking with them really bad and then took a hammer and started bashing their heads and they videotaped the whole thing. Yeah, that was the Ukraine. Yeah, they videotaped the whole thing and started bashing their heads in with the ball-peen hammer and laughing about it. It was like a three-pound sledge. Yeah. There was a dude that was biking down the bike path and he just steps out, boom, hits him with the hammer and then just... There's some splatter, just kills him right there. And then start taking selfies with this splattered head all over like... Jesus. (laughs) Yeah, it's pretty awful. There's some awful fucking people around, man. If you have questions, comments, concerns, compliments, corrections, criticisms, or concepts for content, contact the show via email at godlessrevolution at gmail.com, by text or voicemail at 330-81-REBEL, or Twitter the twatter at TGR Podcast. Thank you! I'm sorry I'm upsetting you, David, but you don't understand what's going on. I understand, all right. You're one of the undead and I'm a werewolf. Thank you all very much for tuning in this evening. That'll wrap up tonight's special Halloween episode. Hope you liked it. Of the Godless Revolution. Something a little different. Yeah, we've done previous shows on Halloween. I think we've talked about like the origins of Halloween. Yeah. I think we Sawin and all that stuff. Yeah, I think yeah. we did some scary stories once or twice, maybe. We never like dedicated half a show to it. Yeah. Yeah, this was this was fun and interesting. Yeah. I liked it. I liked it a lot. Before we go, I want to make sure that we thank our Patreon supporters. Alan Filth. Necromania. Christy Killback. Straight Theist. Scary Wilson. Stabbing Andrus. Let them eat coffins. Two Skeptical Chaps. Michelle Short. Vampress. Freethinker666. Utah Outcaskets. Janet Shooter. Marius Kotbu-Cherkowski. Wesley Craven. Andrew Voodoo Pitch. Taylor Grimm. Demonica Pearson. Jeremy Badson. Brandishing Hammerquick. Megan Kennedy. Back and to the right. Back and to the right. The Gauze. Jeff Dahmer Peterson. Messy Groin Tear. Savage Akuna and the Red Dragon. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you all very much. And so until next week, crucify the Magabomber. Leave a review to achieve a full basket full of candy. (laughs) Rate the show five times a day toward Mega. (laughs) 
That helps if I start recording, yeah. if I'm going to start talking. Those are funny moments that never get recorded. <laughs> yeah, I know. The, the, the times where we just, or I start talking and yeah, we're not recording. <laughs> and then you point to the thing and you're like, oh, hey, dummy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I love nachos. I've always wanted a nacho cheese dispenser. A million dollar dream home buried behind decades old trees sits empty. The, the new owners bu- who bought the... Oh, my God. <laughs> Why do I do this every time? I... <laughs>